Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's go to the Word together this morning. This is part 11, believe it or not, of um, Called and Chosen. And that's not because we're trying to make a long series out of it, but I always believe that, you know, if you are drilling for oil, you don't stop the, the drilling uh, you know, until you, the oil is flowing and uh, then you don't stop once it's flowing, you just keep going. And so that's partly what we're doing here is while there's revelation happening. And I believe that there is for every one of us in our life. I pray you'll lean in today. Let the Word of God speak to you about your life and where you are. Uh, we are together corporately. And so the Word comes to us as a group, but it's also individuals and God wants to speak to every one of us on our own. So let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a book that's traditionally taken to be written by Solomon, and you can almost divide it into two halves. The first half is this man investigating human wisdom. In other words, taking God out of the equation, not looking at a life ruled by God. Then you get to the second half of the book. And he begins to take a completely different slant on wisdom. That's why some of the verses in the beginning of Ecclesiastes seem a little strange to a believer. One's like this. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 3. What profit has a man or a woman from all of their labour in which they toil under the sun? One generation passes away, another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. He's saying there's nothing permanent about me and my calling or my chosen career. Read on in chapter 2, verse 18. He says, Then I hated all my labour in which I had toiled under the sun because I have to leave it to someone who will come after me. And who knows whether they will be wise or whether they'll be a fool. Yet they will rule over everything that I've laboured for and toiled, in which I've shown myself wise under the sun. This is vanity. The word means emptiness or futile. Therefore, he says in verse 20, I turned my heart and despaired of all the labour which I had toiled under the sun. Human wisdom, and that's what we're reading here, human wisdom says that everything is meaningless because it eventually goes to someone else. Godly wisdom, on the other hand, says everything is meaningful because it goes to someone else. That you and I are a part of an unbroken line going back to the day of Pentecost where the church was first formed, where the apostles stood up and God poured out His Spirit in an amazing way. And then you go through church history. I have a book at home called Christian Preachers and it chronicles the great uh, preachers of the faith from Christodom and John the Apostle all the way through to people of last century. There are people today whose names I'm sure would be added into that book were it to be updated. But when you read that, you discover that all through human history, God has been handing on the baton, as it were, from one generation to the next. And so we are all stewards of something else. 
The word steward in the Bible means someone who has responsibility for what actually belongs to someone else. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 says this, that each one of us have received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, that there is something entrusted to us. We don't own it. We merely get to oversee it. And he says, make sure that you are passing that on. The Message Bible puts it this way. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so that all can get in on it. Every one of us are stewards. Think about it a minute. You are stewards of your resources. You cannot take them with you. We are stewards of our gifts and talents, no matter how great they are or how gifted you are or how little gifted you may feel. You are a steward of that. Oh, many other people whose gifts and talents have never been developed. They were a steward of it, but chose not to do much with it. We're stewards of our influence. We will have, as we've had this year uh, a number of times, and I know there's more coming up, we will have baby dedication. And in this church, part of baby dedication is recognising as parents and as a church community that we are stewards of these children. We don't own them in the sense of control. And my goodness, every parent will find that out pretty fast. Uh, how many of you here have been wrapped around the little finger of a one-year-old? I'll raise my hand, you know. Uh, my little granddaughter the other day, she plays this game with a set of blocks. She thinks it's the funniest game in the world where she grabs them and hurls them onto the floor and then laughs uproariously until granddad gets down off the lounge and goes and picks them all up, gives them back to her, whereupon she does it again. She can do that for half an hour. And uh, I, I sometimes laugh and I say to Rhonda, you know, here am I as big as I am. There is she, as little as she is, but she totally controls me. Uh, kind of. We are responsible for our children. But I believe that the greatest thing, really, that we are stewards of is God-given vision. The vision that God gives us, Acts 26, 19. The Apostle Paul, speaking to King Agrippa, says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not, watch this, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Ask someone whose life is driven from an internal space why they do what they do. And they will offer you only this as an explanation. I don't really know, but I feel compelled. I feel I have to. And by that, they don't mean forced into it. They mean that something has captured their heart and that they could do nothing else but pursue it and to pour their energy and their life into it. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, Paul says to King Agrippa. But despite all the trials, let me read you a couple of them. And this is 2 Corinthians 11. He says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. Worked harder, put in prison more often, whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I've beaten with rods. Sorry for those of you from another country and I'm speaking way too fast, but I'm in a hurry to get through this. 
Once I was stoned, three times shipwrecked, spent a whole day and a night adrift at sea, travelling many long journeys, faced dangers from rivers and robbers, danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles, faced dangers in the cities, the deserts, on the seas. My goodness, this man doesn't tell us how many converts he got, but he tells me how many trials he's endured. And I look at all of that and I go, why would you do all of that if it wasn't for the fact that you were captured by a heavenly vision. Amen. I believe we are stewards of it. We don't get to own it, but we get to steward it in our life. I believe that what God is building is always far bigger than me. I believe it's far bigger than my preferences. I believe it's far bigger than my abilities and it's even far bigger than this generation. Thank you to all of you in this church because without you, without the congregation called Metro Church, none of the outreaches that we celebrate, things like hope that, uh, you know, every single week is helping people that whose brokenness is profound. And you often find not that they can't get help, but they often don't get love. And one of the things that hope offers to people is in its name. There's a reason why we called it hope. Because we recognise that we want to give a generation of broken people a lot more than sympathy and food and clothing and some other physical help. But we want to say to them that there's a God in heaven who cares about you. He has not forgotten you. You are not a, a number. You are not just a bit of collateral damage across the space of the earth. But there's a God in heaven who hung His Son on a cross because because He loves you. Transform this week. I was so excited because last week, you know, we told you all that Shreemon, one of our great leaders in Transform, had died of COVID. Now we're sad and she's got a husband and two small children. And uh, this week, as my wife read it out, she said, have you seen this from Transform? They're asking anyone who wants to contribute towards uh, Jan, that's her husband, uh, towards Jan and the children and because they had a house they had not long bought and the mortgage was so high. You know, by the end of the week, enough had been given out of the people in this church and other churches, by the way, that are a part of the transformed community that enough people to, to completely pay off the entire mortgage. Why? Because Jesus loves people, that's why. Why? Because somebody somewhere got caught up stewarding a vision and saying, I have to, no matter what it takes. Whether it's hope or transform, whether it's Metro Church Online, Red Frogs, why would you do? Why would so many young people, I think last year was it Hayden, 150 plus volunteers, was that what it was? 150 plus volunteers take a week of leave and pay for the privilege to go and serve the next generation. I've been there, I think, every year for a bunch. You know, they don't always look like they're people that are so grateful. Some of, them are not, some of them aren't sure where they are. Why would you do that? You do it because Jesus cares, that's why. You do it because a vision has caught our heart. And that's why we do what we do. Why, 
we have such a great team of people in Metro Kids. While you're up in here sitting, enjoying the lovely comfy seats, the beautiful heating, which is quite necessary here in Perth at the moment. While you're doing that, there are people who have spent time this week labouring to serve our children, to lead them to Jesus, to pray with them and for them, to stand in the gap. Not every child comes from a great home. Some of them will, this will be their bright moment of the week. What a beautiful thing that is. And by the way, I know that uh, Pastor Bruce last week, I think it was you, talked about how we need another 12 people to serve in, in Metro Kids. And I know people have already put up their hand, but if you haven't and that's on your heart, go see them at the Connect Hub, contact us, info at Metro, and uh, we'd love to help you with that. But can I get to really where I want to get to today? Because stewardship all my life growing up, Stewardship was always couched in a sense of obligation. As though somehow or other, you know, it was like humble yourself and take the low spot and, you know, some kind of like, you know, you know, here you are. You know, I don't know if any of you grew up in churches where they sang dumb songs like, you know, I'm a worm and I, though so unworthy, still I'm a child of his care. You know, almost like God really wishes there was somebody better, but all he's got you. So whatever, let's do. You know, anybody grow up in a church like that? You know, it's kind of like you went out there going, well, thank God for his mercy because I'm really not worth it. And when you hear that kind of stuff, you start thinking in terms of, of stewardship of your resources or your gifts or your talents, like somehow or other, well, I owe God. Let's delve into this. Matthew 25, just two verses. Verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man travelling to a far country who called his own servants, delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. The spirit of stewardship looks like this. Number one, the spirit of, of stewardship declares that you are trusted. The first servant, as of Friday, the first servant is given $326,476.81. For those of you that really care about that level of specificity and data, here it is again, $326,476, that's Australian dollars, and 81 cents is what this guy gets given by the master to play with. The second servant gets $130,590.72. Even the lowest one gets given $65,295.36. Let me ask you a question. How many of you this week have had someone come up to you and go, you know what, I've got all this excess cash. I'm feeling like investing. How would you like to look after my 65000 for me? Don't just give me a wave. Just want to check here in case anyone's had that. Anybody here say, that, man, I got better than that. Someone came up to this week and said, look, I've got this sitting in an account. I'm not getting much out of it. What could you do with $130,590.72? And you went, oh, I don't know, but I'll give it a go. Anybody here say, no, I was better than that. My friend next door won lotto. He said to me, how would you like to take $326,476.81? In other words... The master trusted them. 
Have you thought about this? God trusts you with the gifts He's given you. They're yours. He trusts you. It's almost like He goes, that's yours and walks off. It's all up to you. What do you want to do with that? I don't know about you. I'm not bothered by Jesus' lordship and control. I'm more challenged by Jesus' uh, desire to let me play with it. I don't know about the rest of you here. When it comes to vision, I'm always ready to go, Lord, I'll obey you. I'm more bothered by the spaces where he says, what would you like? Think how many times Jesus said to someone, what do you want? You go, what though? What do you mean, what do I want? Well, what do you want? We are trusted. Secondly, the spirit of stewardship says that increase is normal in the kingdom. In other words, God doesn't go, well, you know what, you're going to be my steward. No, God, it's going to be hard. And I know it'll be thankless. And I know that, you know, you'll just slog it out and go. He doesn't say that. He says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He says, there's going to be blessing for you. The spirit of stewardship says that increase is normal. Number three. The spirit of stewardship says that there's freedom to try. The master's rebuke of the third seven, we didn't read it, but he comes back and gives the, asks them to give account. And the third one says, well, look, you know, I was afraid to fail. So I went and they buried it in the ground. Here it is. And the master rebukes him not for failing, but for failing to try. We run a course here called EFM. I personally, I think it's worth $1,000 per participant. If you were going commercially, that's what you'd pay for something like that. Personality profile, spiritual gift questionnaire, prophetic team that are amazing. But can I say to you, if you come out of EFM with a list of things that maybe God wants to use you in, it was never intended to be a destination. Colour in the box, that's where I'm going to be. I'm a this. It's only ever a jumping off point. It's just a departure point for the journey. It's not a destination. Why? Because I fully understand and expect that some of us will go on the journey of our gifts and talents and will get into something and go, actually, that's not me. Actually, I don't think I'm bearing fruit there like I ought. In which case, feel free to go, no, I'm going to try something else. Why? Because the kingdom, there is no penalty for trying. I wonder what would have happened if the guy had come back and he'd said to the master, look, I invested it. Turned out the guy was a, a drop kick. That's an Australian expression for those of you that are, I don't know what that says in, in Portuguese or Indonesian. I'm not even sure what it says in English half the time. I invested it and lost it. You know what I think the master, I, I think the master would have said, what did you do? Tell me what, what safeguards did you put in place? Did you do due diligence? You did. Oh, well, that's okay. Here's another 65,000. See if you can do better this time. That's what I think would happen. We're not told that. But there's freedom to try. There's room in the kingdom 
for creativity and initiative. Listen, creativity does not belong to the creative team. Huh? To the artists amongst us. Oh, I'm not creative. I go rubbish. Everybody is. You are made in the image of God. If you're made in the image of God, creativity is part of the, your DNA spiritually. It's who you are. I don't care what they've told you, you know, about the, you know, your, your gifts and talents when it comes to arts. But I know that the Spirit of God in us is a creative God. Here's number four. Fourth, Spirit of Stewardship declares that God has more for you. Stewardship in the Bible is never about, well, I did the job. It's always about what comes after it as well. The Gospel of Luke recounts this very same parable. Let me read to you what it says in verse 17. It says that the one who was faithful, he says, I'm going to give you more. He says, rule over 10 cities. He says, you've been faithful in what I gave you. Here, there's going to come an escalation of that. I'm going to do more than what you could reasonably expect. The reality is that every single one of us, when we steward what God has given us. I'm thinking back to when uh, I first started worship leading, believe it or not. I came from a church where uh, literally when the group I was in, I uh, had to sing. The leader of the group, Rhonda will bear me out. She does this. Is so they said to me, please mine. <laughs> Which was very hurtful. I think I was just too dumb to realise how deep an insult it was. And uh, so then I, I come to what was then Christian Outreach Centre. And don't ask me how this happened. But I remember it was an Easter parade in Brisbane and I'd, I'm not sure why someone did this, but we had a semi-trailer and all these young people behind it. And there we are, we're going to sing all these songs. And I said to the leader, whose name was a leader, who's going to lead this? And she said, you are, and pushed me towards the slowly beginning to move semi-trailer. And I had no choice. I climbed up there and first time I ever led worship was to 20,000 people lining the streets of Fortitude Valley. Not bad for someone who was told to mine. But you know what I've discovered? No matter who you are, if you will say yes to God, he asks you to say yes to this. But on the other side of that, he's always got more. Amen? Come on. The Bible says about deacons, that is our hosting, people that serve in the helping ministry. He says, if you do that well, you purchase to yourselves a good degree of boldness in the faith. And I think when he wrote that, I think he's thinking about Philip, whose first job in the church as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, is to give food to widows that were whinging. Not all widows whinge, but in this case they were complaining. And can you imagine what kind of a job that was? But he put his hand up for it and said, I'm going to serve in that, steps into that role 
Well, the next thing we read about this guy, Philip, is not that he's giving food to people, but that he's preaching the gospel and an entire city of 20,000 people come to Christ. Why? Because if you will say yes with what you have, God says, I've got much more for you. Let me finish. Luke 12. Luke 12, verse 42. And the Lord said, who then, watch this, who then is that faithful and wise steward? And if you've got a paper Bible, you can underline this. I don't know what you're going to do if you've got an electronic one. Just colour it in somehow. Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household? So the first thing we learn about this guy is he's given responsibility for a household. That's his job. He's looking after the family budget. He's ordering in for the meals for the week to give them their portion of food in due season. He's writing the menus. This guy says yes and is faithful and wise in that. Verse 43, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. It takes time over a period of time. Truly I say to you, watch this now. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. There's always more on the other side of wise stewardship. God wants you and I to be faithful in where we are, whatever gift or place you're serving in. I pray and I, I thank God for all the people in the life of this church who serve faithfully where they are. God says, if you'll serve faithfully, I've got more for you on the other side of that. In Jesus' name. Father, help us today. Every single one of us, Lord, help us to see the joy that there is in obeying you, in serving you, in following you, in doing some of the little things that nobody else may know about, but you see them. Oh God, we're grateful for that. Lord, I pray that every person that's a part of the service, whether in the building or online, every single person, Lord, will have a heart that wants to wrap themselves around the call of God because you called us and you chose us to bring forth fruit. It's normal. You called us and chose us, Lord, so that what we do has got impact into the lives of people. Thank you for that, Lord. Father, now I pray for people that have never said yes to you. They haven't begun the journey. They're wondering about you. Some of them, Lord, are people that, well, something happened. Oh, something went awry, something went wrong and they said yes to you and then they fell out of it and now they find themselves in a dry place, not sure of your love for them. God, I pray for them today as they give you a yes that says, oh Lord, would you come and touch me again? Would you help me again? For those, Lord, maybe that have never known you and they've never heard that it's this easy to say yes to you, to have you come into their heart to change them and to save them. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wherever you are, here's how easy it is to say yes to Christ. If you're in Australia, text yes, Y-E-S, to 0488826392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get the help, we will give you for free. 
via email, then you get, simply go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. On metrochurch.online, it's coming up with that yes moment button. You can click on that. This is what we'll do. Is the very next day after you do that, whatever time it is, doesn't matter. Our team here, people in this church, will make sure we send to you a Bible verse every day for 30 days. It's a different one. They'll send you a prayer, a different one, every day for 30 days. Of course, you can opt out wherever, whenever you like. But it comes from us. It's very safe. We'll never write and ask you for money. We're never going to spam you with anything. It's just us wanting to say, can we help you now? Walk with Jesus. Fits on one screen of the smartphone, by the way. We'd love you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to give those people a big hand because every week people say yes to Christ. And... Uh, in the old days, we used to do that, people lifting their hand or coming forward in the service. Now, with all that's happening, we were able to do that online. Thank God for that. And so that applause is for you or whoever you are and wherever you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look, I pray that that'll challenge you. It challenges me. It challenges me to want to make the best out of everything that God has entrusted me with, knowing full well that, you know, someone will come after me who will really uh, lead all that. And I want to make sure what I leave them is something wonderful. And I know we all feel exactly the same. Destiny offering is such a joy and a privilege. This morning, every one of you that are in the building, you have on your seat the commitment card. We'd love you to take that and fill that in if you haven't done so already. I know my wife has done that. Just come on out, darling. And uh, give Pastor Rhonda a big hand because she deserves a bigger hand than that because how long have we been married now? 42 years. Good Lord. Have that been the best 42 years of your entire life? Absolutely. I love fake sincerity when I spot it. I just, no, 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 she totally means it. She thinks I'm just the Greatest man she's ever seen in her life. You feel free to jump in with an amen anytime you'd like. Listen, uh, Rhonda and I, like most of you here, we've prayed over the last couple of weeks and talked. Said, God, what do you want us to give? God, speak something into our heart. And we want to take over this Sunday and next Sunday the opportunity for you to be able to give whatever you feel God put in your heart. Understand this, I still to this day have no idea what you give. That's my choice. I choose not to know. Our team will know. So when I send you out a letter thanking you, and I guess it'll have on it what your commitment is just to confirm that, I actually won't see that part of it. I'll write the letter and I'll sign the letter, but I won't see the other part of that. And that's not because we're embarrassed about it. It's because I choose to allow you that space to say this is between you and God. So can we just stand together just quickly before God? If you haven't prayed about it, maybe you're here for the first Sunday in a while. You haven't heard about it. I'm going to ask Rhonda in a minute to pray for the commitments that are made. But I want to pray for you first. Heavenly Father, we again come before you. We are your people. We're your family. God, I know that you will have spoken to hearts and lives. Some of them, Lord, will have received something from you that is almost scary. They go, I've never given that much ever before. But God, 
along with your word always comes faith. The confidence that somehow or other you will make it possible. In the year that lies ahead with all the twists and turns that we know nothing about, but you completely know. Father, I pray that you will speak and encourage every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Please be seated again. We're going old school again today in that our host team are going to be passing the offering buckets. We had to go and find them. Uh, Come team, if you would, down to the front. And uh, they're going to begin to receive the commitment cards. Of course, you can do that online. I'm praying this year, many of you that are a part of MetroChurch.online, I'm praying that many of you will become a part of this. Tell us what your uh, amount is in the dollar, in the currency of where you're from. Our team will convert that and confirm that with you. This is over and above our regular giving. It's not all in one go. It's over the next year. And uh, we trust that God will help every single one of us. If you don't have a card or a pen, give us a little wave if you're in the building because the team are ready to scoop one to you incredibly quickly. The balcony, they'll come to you as well. All right? Then God bless you. Thank you, host team, Dr. Ruby and the rest of the team, Jody and Kylie. Would you want to come, please? And we're going to sing again that song, Thank You, Lord. Rhonda, once everyone's given, the team have received it, I'm going to get everyone to stand with us and you're going to pray.